Joe Biden uh, re- released <laughs> at 9.30 in the, at night after Christmas his list of volunteer fundraisers. You know, he, he's marketing it like they're volunteer firemen or something. Yeah, just a list of the a who's who of plutocrats raising over $25,000 for his campaign. This is the list of bundlers. And I love this because, uh, in fairness, Obama, Hillary, these people, they actually released it in terms of tiers. Here's who's raised over 25000 Here's who's raised over 100000 Here's who's raised over 250000 Here's who's raised after over a million. You get it? Whereas Buttigieg and now Biden, they're being secrety and slimy. They're just throwing everyone in the same bucket. Here's who's raised over $25,000 for me. So we don't know, honestly, until the Federal Election Commission uh, records come out, which is until early next year. We just don't know how much is each person raising because there's some who are probably raising hundreds of thousands of dollars while others might have raised the paltry sum of 25000 But let me ask you a question. Do you think people are raising money on behalf of Joe Biden just because they're so inspired by, by Joe? Do you think that's why they're raising money for Joe Biden? Or do you think that they're a part of this really gross, really corrupt, really slimy game of access that has been going on in Washington, D.C., as long as I've been alive, but that the Democratic Party has basically been just as bad as the Republicans on. I guarantee you, quite a few of these people raising money for Joe, oh, they're going to get ambassadorships. They're going to become ambassador to some some country that they've never been to. Oh, they're going to get positions in the White House. Oh, they're going to get invited to the state dinners. Oh, they're going to get a subsidy or a tax cut or a tax abatement for their company. Oh, they're going to get that federal contract for their company. This is how it works. This is how it works. But the Democratic Party has been trying to hoodwink you for many, many years that, oh, but you have to vote for us because, yeah, we might be corrupt, but like women, you could do whatever you want with your body. We're not going to, we're not going to tell you what to do with your body. And like, oh, Muslims, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome here. We're not as racist and we're good on the social issues. So just look the other way as we sell out your future economically. That's been the Democratic Party for the last 30, 40 years. Read If if you got time this uh, New Year's, if if you have any time off or whatever, and if you have the money to get it, Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank wrote a great book called Listen Liberal. It is the best book I've read. It's the best thing I've read to really explain how far the Democratic Party shifted, essentially, to becoming moderate Republicans. So as the Republican Party went extreme to become these radical Trump Tea Partiers, uh, the Democratic Party basically moved over to like being, I don't know, Bob Dole in 1996. How do you change a country if you both parties are Republicans? Just one is worse. So Joe Biden, let's let's take a look here. Uh, some of his bundlers. You remember you remember this question at a local uh, at I think it was a town hall for Joe Biden. Let's take a look. I'm 27 years old. Half of all greenhouse gas emissions ever generated by the entire history of human civilization have been released in my lifetime. This despite the now well-documented fact that 40 years ago, scientists at Exxon and Shell knew and reported to their bosses 
that burning fossil fuels was warming the planet and would destabilize the climate. Fossil fuel corporations, their executives, their trade and industry organizations, and their think tank front groups have waged a decades-long campaign of lying to the public about the science, and it has brought us to a crisis that threatens the entire human race. Now, I know that you signed the No Fossil Fuel Money Pledge, but I have to ask, how can we trust you to hold these corporations and executives accountable for their crimes against humanity when we know that tomorrow you are holding high-dollar fundraiser hosted by Andrew Goldman, a fossil fuel executive? He's not a fossil fuel executive, I'm told. He, he, he is not a fossil fuel executive. And the fact of the matter is that uh, what we talk about is what are we going to do about those corporations? What have we done? And along, everywhere along the way, for example, I've argued and we've and pushed for us suing those executives who are engaged in pollution. So, I mean, Joe Biden, Joe Biden essentially pretended that that guy wasn't a fossil fuel executive. He was. He said, hell. I don't care where the money's coming from. Just give me your money. And he held a fundraiser anyway. Well, that guy who Joe Biden pretended wasn't a fossil fuel executive, he is, natural gas, LNG. That guy, according to the list, raised at least $25,000 for Joe Biden. So, of course, Joe Biden is going to help solve the climate crisis, which, to tell you the truth, I'm just going to become, I'm just going to start calling it the inferno. I think terms matter. I think gentrification is not a, a, a term that many people understand, so I call it economic terrorism. And I think climate change is not a term that sense that uh, or climate crisis really puts in the urgency of it. So I'm going to start calling it the inferno. So Joe Biden is not going to do anything to stop the inferno because he's taking money from the people pouring the gasoline on the fire. He's taking money to the people putting the ma putting a match into it and frankly uh, Trump is unprecedentedly bad on the environment but Joe Biden becoming president would just be a slower death of the planet a slower moving death to the planet because Joe Biden isn't going to see the damage if he's lucky he's got another 20 years left on this planet we're all going to deal with it so that's one person raising money. I don't know how much he raised because Joe Biden put everyone on the list at $25,000. This guy could have raised 250000 for him, 500000 Who the hell knows? We don't know who is this guy getting to donate to Joe Biden because it's not just that this guy is raising money for Joe Biden. Who is he getting to donate? I would assume other people in the fossil fuel industry that... Andrew Goldman knows. So Joe Biden is a mother fracker. You know, Joe Biden, he doesn't want Medicare for all. Oh, $30 trillion. I wonder why. Michael Neerdorf of St. Louis, chairman and CEO of the 60 plus billion dollar healthcare company, Centene, is among the list of bundlers released last night by Joe Biden's campaign. Well, what is Centene all about? You ask. Here's a story. Enriched by the poor, California health insurers make billions through Medicaid. 
Well, wait, I thought I thought the Medicaid expansion of Obamacare was supposed to help the poor, help the poor, not enrich private health insurance companies. Medicaid is rarely associated with getting rich. The patients are poor, the budget's tight, and payments to doctors often paltry. But some insurance companies are reaping spectacular profits off the taxpayer-funded program in California, even when the state finds their patient care is subpar. A unit of Centene Corp., the largest Medicaid insurer nationwide, raked in $1.1 billion in profits from 2014 to 2016, according to state data obtained and analyzed by Kaiser Health News. Anthem, another industry giant, turned a profit of $549 billion from California's Medicaid program in the same period. Overall, Medicaid insurers in the Golden State made $5.4 billion in profits from 2014 to 2016, in part because the state paid higher rates during the inaugural years of the nation's Medicaid expansion under Obamacare. Last year, they made more money than all Medicaid insurers combined in 34 other states with managed care plans. Those profits are gigantic. Wow, a health economist and professor at the University of Southern California said. Uh, California is being wildly open-handed and excessively generous with insurers. No wonder. Jennifer Kent, California's Medicaid director, said the health plan profits were higher than anticipated during the ACA expansion. But she said the state expects to recoup recoup a significant amount of money within the next year once audits are complete and retroactive rate adjustments. Yeah, I'm sure. Health insurers who profited substantially like for Medicaid, known as Medi-Cal, defend their good fortune. They say these surpluses follow losses in earlier years. What they don't say, uh, what they don't say here, moreover, California payments keep flow, flowing steadily even when patients fare poorly. Two of the most profitable insurers in California, Centene, who is raising money for Joe Biden, runs some of the worst performing Medicaid plans, according to Medicaid, medical quality scores and complaints in government records. Quote, if there is that much extra money showing around, sloshing around in California, then it's worth asking whether you could expect more in terms of performance. So isn't that interesting? Joe Biden says Medicare for all, too much, too expensive. Medicare for all, you know, it's it, it's it's a socialized money grab, Medicare for all. It's not practical, blah, 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 blah. But him and Barack Obama in the Affordable Care Act essentially helped and basically gave insurers free money. Do I think Medicaid expansion is a good thing? Absolutely. I think that's one of the only good things about Obamacare. It's great that more people were able to get on Medicaid, but a lot of these providers like Centene, who is raising money for middle class Joe, instead of the, the gross amount of profits they were making, instead of putting that back into actual health care, they provided, according to health experts, inadequate services while hoarding profits. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting? Why do we think that Joe Biden, who's claiming his plan is going to go further than Obamacare, it's going to have a public buy-in for a public option, which a public option, a buy-in is just another word for a premium. Not everybody can afford the buy-in for a public option. And when you have a public option, in addition to a expansive private health insurance industry, 
the actual services you would get if you get on the public option are st- are still not as good as just straight up Medicare because the way Medicare works for seniors is it is the single payer. So it controls costs. It controls services. So Joe Biden essentially is raising money from fossil fa- frackers. I want to say another F word, but let's see. Who else is Joe Biden taking money from and re- getting money raised from while he pretends to be middle class Joe? Another one of Joe Biden's bundlers is Bradley Butwin, a partner in New York, New York City law firm O'Melveny. They represent corporations, not unions, in employment law matters and provide clients with, quote, advice in connection with union avoidance. Oh, my Lord. Union man Joe. I'm from Scranton. Oh, my Lord. There's, I've, never, I've never done a thing to hurt the unions. I've been fighting. I've been building those bricks with those hard union workers every step of the way. I ride the Amtrak to work. Not only has he done many fundraisers with union, bas- union bashing companies like Comcast, which I hope Joe B- uh, Bernie Sanders starts bringing up on the campaign trail. Joe Biden is not a friend of the unions. Not only did he vote for NAFTA, not only did he try to push TPP, which would have been the final death nail in labor unions. Now he's making money and raising money from union busters. Pete Buttigieg, as I've exposed, is one hell of a false advertiser. But so is Joe Biden. And the corporate media has allowed Joe Biden for the last 30 years to masquerade as some middle class hero, to masquerade as some like blue collar, I you know, I shower after work kind of guy when he's the total opposite. And if you had a media industry with just an ounce of integrity, just an ounce of integrity. You would know. You would know all this. You know this because of independent media, but the masses don't know this. Think about all the people making $50,000 or less that support Joe Biden. They're voting against their own interests and they don't even know it. Think about all the people with only high school degrees voting for Joe Biden. They're voting against their own interests. They don't even know it. It's not just Donald Trump supporters that vote against their own interests. It's not just Republicans who vote for monsters like Mitch McConnell who vote against their own interests. It's Democrats, workers, union workers who vote against their own interests because there's no media in this country to actually inform them of those interests. There's more. There's more. Revolving Door on Twitter had a really good list here. Erskine Bowles, Bill Clinton's White House Chief of Staff, who's now on at Facebook and Morgan Stanley. He is raising money for Joe Biden. Remember, during the Obama years, they tried to do a grand bargain? Well, their idea of a grand bargain was to essentially cut Social Security, cut unemployment benefits, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. Look at this. One was Erskine Bowles, who developed a bipartisan plan in 2012 to cut Social Security benefits up to 35%, cut disabled veterans benefits by up to $2,200 a year, raise the retirement age and Medicare eligibility 
Say it ain't so, Joe. This is who's raising money for Joe Biden. It's truly unbelievable that this guy gets away with this stuff. And I would like to see Bernie's campaign after the holidays, after the new year, start naming names. Joe Biden is also leaning on Alan Patrikoff for fundraising. Patrikoff is one of the pioneers of the private equity industry, a.k.a. financial strip mining. It's no surprise that Mark Angelson backs Joe Biden since he's worked with Biden's campaign for over 30 years. He's an M&A professor who brags in his Biden Foundation bio that he was a leader of the transformation and consolidation of the printing industry. Oh, that's nice. Amy Baker. A Joe Biden bundler is a 20-year veteran of NBC News and entertainment dis- uh, divisions. But her husband, Barry, is a senior advisor at Lee Equity Partners. Oh, no wonder MSNBC and CNN and, and NBC News have been blowing Joe Biden for the last year. Not to mention Comcast, which owns NBC and MSNBC, held a fundraiser for Joe Biden at the beginning of his campaign. Then you got Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg have a rivalry for hearts and pocketbooks of a prominent Virginia family. Congressman Don Byers is bundling for Buttigieg, but his wife, Megan, is bundling for Biden. Then you got Dianne Feinstein, lover of the military-industrial complex, corrupt in her own right, uh, and her husband, uh, both raising a lot of money for, for Joe Biden. Bradley Butwin, the chair of big law firm uh, Olvaney and Myers, bundles for Joe Biden. Olvaney and Myers defended Donald Trump in a lawsuit over Trump University and his inaugural committee in an SDNY investigation. Ah, you got to love it. Bipartisan corruption. So Joe Biden is raising money from law firms defending Donald Trump for his corruption. Comcast top lobbyist, Comcast owns NBC and MSNBC, David Cohen is a Joe Biden bundler. Little surprise since Biden held a fundraiser at Cohen's house the day after he announced he was running for president. The mayor of Detroit, Mike Dugan, who I'm working on a story right now, is capital C corrupt. If you live in Detroit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's raising money for Joe Biden. Another Biden bundler is Joseph Falk of Ackerman LLP, who does lobbying and, quote, government affairs for mortgage brokers. Biden might have promised from day one to reject lobbyist campaign contributions, but is apparently fine with lobbyists fundraising for him. Then you got Silicon Valley insider John Fisher is a Joe Biden bundler, too. Fisher is a major advocate for building startups with the goal of being bought by bigger firms instead of trying to create actually a standalone company. Curse of binges, anyone? And Biden has another uh, Hollywood mogul bundling for him, Jim Giannopoulos, CEO of Paramount. Now note that Paramount's company, Viacom, recently announced a merger with CBS, which Giannopoulos confirmed to run the film division. Raising cash for POTUS could help with that merger. Wow. Wow. And we don't want to forget the little people. Jeffrey Katzenberg of DreamWorks Animation. Mega, mega, mega wealthy person. I believe a billionaire. Jeffrey Katzenberg raising money for Joe Biden. Oh, by the way, I don't mean this is an attack, but you should know. Jeffrey Katzenberg invested $20 million in my former employer, the Young Turks. 
in 2017? Just interesting. Just interesting. I mean, this is a absolute... This is like you put in a bowl, Al Gore, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Jamie Dimon, a bank of uh, J.P. Morgan. Just put them all in a bowl, mix it up, put some balsamic vinaigrette on it, and call it middle class. The people that are raising money for Joe Biden are not raising money because they think he's a leader. They're raising money because they know he will keep their wallets flush. That's it. That's the ballgame. That's how this works. Do I think on many, do I think on some things Joe Biden would be better than Donald Trump? I do. I know I'm unpopular if I say that, but I'm not going to just say what you want for clicks. Of course, he's going to be better on some things. He's not going to ban religions. He, he, you know, I would hope his administration, if there was one, there wouldn't be all these children dying at the border. But on this, on this critical, critical issue that affects everything, that red line is going to keep on keeping on. That red line is going to keep on keeping on because the people raising money for Joe Biden... God knows who those people raising money for Joe Biden are, are getting to donate because that's just one piece of it. These are people who are raising the money. They are tapping into their networks of fellow corrupt people to donate to Joe Biden. And they're doing it to keep things the way they are. And meanwhile, the corporate media is doing their best to just hide it. They are doing their best to just allow Joe Biden to hide the fact that he is a fixture of this new Gilded Age. Nothing different. No change. As he told Wall Street behind closed doors, you put me in the White House, nothing's going to change for you. No problems. Joe Biden uh, is also raising money from Michael Shrum. Michael Shrum who, as of a few years ago, was the Democratic National Committee's deputy finance director. And he then, after, be- after being Democratic National Committee's deputy finance director, uh, pivoted over to being Joe Biden's like body man. A body man is somebody who travels with the president or vice president or whatever and, you know, carries their luggage, does all the dirty work. So you have a DNC connection. Yeah, he's not at the DNC anymore, but he was the deputy finance director. You think Michael Shrum doesn't have contacts at the DNC now? I don't think the DNC is going to be stupid enough this time to put in writing whatever they're doing to rig the primary against Bernie Sanders. But Joe Biden's got the former deputy finance director raising who knows how much money. They only list it as $25,000. We don't know how much are these people actually raising because he just put everyone in one bucket, over $25,000. Let's read the text messages. This is a story I just broke uh, the other day. 
after a controversial arrest where South Bend police officers were caught on tape reenacting a KKK scene from Django Unchained, South Bend Police Chief Scott Ruskowski, a close ally of presidential candidate and Mayor Pete Buttigieg, made a questionable claim to local activists insinuating the officers on tape mimicking Klansmen were not from the South Bend Police Department. As Status Coup first reported, during an arrest of 21-year-old black male Marco Mosgrove on December 18th, Marsgrove live-streamed his arrest. Interestingly enough, the original live-stream was taken down from Facebook. Who is a big supporter of Pete Buttigieg? Mark Zuckerberg. Just throwing that out there. By the way, did you know that Status Quo's website went down two times in one week? Both times after I reached out to the South Bend Police Department for a story? just went down. Isn't that interesting? After realizing they were being taped, South Bend police officers turned around his phone, turning the video black with the audio still running. At the tail end of the arrest, officers began imitating Klansmen from Quentin Tarantino film Django. Quote, I can't see out of this thing, an officer says while laughing, mimicking the scene where KKK members argue with one another over their clan hoods not fitting their faces. I think we could all agree these were a nice idea, the officer says, further imitating a Klansman during the Django scene. In text messages obtained by status coup between police chief Ruskowski and a local activist from the arrest, the police chief insinuated the officers mimicking Klansmen weren't from the South Bend Police Department. Quote, did you know it wasn't just South Bend cops there, Ruskowski said to activist Wayne Hubbard? I'll find out who, but I know it wasn't just South Bend cops, the chief continued. But a witness at the scene of the home where the arrest occurred told Status Quo the only police vehicles there were South Bend police cruisers. During the arrest, officers could be heard saying South Bend officer Devin Gilbert was the arresting officer, which a police report confirms. The report also listed South Bend police as the arresting agency. South Bend police sergeant Kayla Miller can also be heard on the audio. In later parts of the text exchange, the police chief seemed to switch versions of his defense, pivoting away from suggesting the officers might have been from a different police force in favor of claiming the officers' comments weren't offensive. I just told you nobody was making fun of any, anybody. Where did you even determine that? The police chief told the activist. He added that he's never seen Django Unchained, but those who've, quote, researched said that line was actually making fun, was ripping on the KKK. Did you ever see the movie? Did you know the part referred to by others is actually making fun of the KKK for being the idiots they are? Hubbard, a black activist, responded that he did not did see the movie and, quote, didn't like it very much. Ruskowski said he won't deliver judgment until all the facts and context are gathered. In response, Hubbard did not mince words. Quote, you know, you have the facts. The facts are the officers quoted a Django KKK line mocking the black kid that they arrested. Chief Ruskowski told Hubbard that once he identified the facts and officers involved, he would have the activists speak with them directly. Two days after the chief's exchange with Hubbard, South Bend Tribune reported that the police department would investigate. Seven days later, Mayor Buttigieg has not addressed the audio of South Bend police officers reenacting the KKK scene while arresting a black, black male. His campaign, nor his South Bend office, responded to, oh, I should have wrote status quo's request for comment. I'll have to fix that. 
Police Chief Ruskowski refused to elaborate to status quo on his claim that South Bend Police wasn't the only agency on scene at the arrest. So I'm just going to read to you live my text messages with the police chief. Wouldn't that be fun? I'll just read them to you live because I got his number. And he was he responded, so that's cool. When I, I, I reached out to him, uh, asking him, could you comment on these text messages because you're claiming that um, you, you're basically telling an activist that it wasn't your police officers on the tape when the arresting the arrest report says South Bend Police Department, the arresting officer is a South Bend police officer. Witnesses say there's no other cars there, also known as you're lying to an activist. Those text messages are between Wayne and me, personal communication between us. With that, we have an internal investigation and we don't discuss them, he told me. So I said, you need an internal investigation to know whether other agencies were on scene, like you told Wayne? Seems like that would be a quick phone call to me. He wrote, I know who was on scene and when. So I wrote, then you should be then you should easily be able to tell the media if other agencies were on scene, which would make it plausible that the officers on tape reenacting the KKK scene weren't South Bend Police Department. He said, you could assume whatever you'd like. I'm not discussing an internal investigation. And and I said, and, and since witnesses there told me only they only saw South Bend Police Department cruisers, your statement is inconsistent. And I wrote, and no comment on your officers instructing other officers to turn their body cameras off? He said, read the policy. It's online for anyone to read. So let's read along. Uh, a law enforcement officer that I spoke with said it wouldn't take nine days to investigate who was on tape making the comments Within a couple hours, an officer told me the, uh, it would take to identify the officers. So they're not investigating. Shit. They're just counting down the clock and hopes the media doesn't pick it up. That's why Pete Buttigieg is not saying anything. They're just hoping the media will cover for them and not make a big deal about this. On Chief, Red, on Ch- on Chief Rozowski muddying the waters to claim the officers caught on tape mimicking Klansmen weren't from South Bend Police Department. The law enforcement official told Status Coup, that's the way he is. He told me a lo- couple other things off the record, but needless to say, this police chief, known as a liar. Beyond reenacting Klansmen from Django, a female officer could be heard instructing other officers to stop recording their body cameras. The command came after an officer described their face shields as skull masks. You were recording or you were not? The female officer asked a male officer after the stop recording command. I'm not now, the male officer responded. Activist Vernado Malone, a member of South Bend Justice, told Status Coup that he went to the police station after arrest to find out who were the officers on tape. Quote, the third shift captain spoke to me and told me that the officer was Sergeant Miller who was there. Sergeant Kayla Miller of the South Bend um, Police Force. Status quo can't confirm whether Miller, a female officer, instructed officers to turn off their body camera, but male officers could be heard addressing Miller in other parts of the tape. During Chief Rudzegowski and Hubbard's exchange, the chief defended shutting off the body cameras. Quote, they were turned off because nobody was there. It was all cops. 
the dude was already gone. He's talking about the black guy that got arrested. I don't know what all happened, but I know nobody but cops were in the house. Police body cameras have served as a hotbed issue dogging Buttigieg in the South Bend Police Department uh, following the death of Eric Logan, which I just told you about. An official complaint has been filed by the family of Mosgrove, who is the black 21-year-old arrested, uh, with internal affairs of the South Bend Police Department. The the 21-year-old remains in jail. The boy's mother, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, Dial Eshanalayan, and family spokesperson Vernado Malone, says the police department has not reached out to them for the original audio of the arrest and the officer's comments, leaving one to wonder how exactly they are conducting an investigation because Facebook live stream was taken down. So the police department tells South Bend Tribune they're investigating but the video is taken down off of Facebook. Thankfully, somebody clipped it, so I, I have access to the video, but it's taken off Facebook. So they haven't reached out to the family who has the original audio, so what exactly are you investigating? The mother said uh, the South Bend Police Department has a history of racism. She, racism. she also said the comments weren't fair or funny, uh, referencing the police officers imitating Klansmen. Quote, we're supposed to be able to trust them and they're here to serve and protect. And that's not what's going on. Mayor Buttigieg, whose campaign was previously caught by The Intercept inventing black support in South Carolina and whose national support among black people has hovered in the low single digits, was criticized during the most recent Democratic debate for his political inexperience. So let me let's let me just break this down for you. okay? You have a police department that nationally has gotten some media coverage about how racist it is, how corrupt it is. Buttigieg is the mayor. He's in charge of the police department. He has essentially allowed this. And by the way, obviously, South Bend Police Department ain't the only racist police department out there. I mean, I give you Detroit. I give you Flint. I give you New York City. I give you Milwaukee. I give you Cleveland. I mean, it's not all police, not every single police officer is bad. I know police officers that I've spoken with who hate uh, their chiefs, who hate the corruption. So it's not all of them are bad. But you have Pete Buttigieg as the, according to the polls, the front runner in Iowa, who is silent while his police officers were imitating Klansmen while arresting a black man. Oh, by the way, during it, a female officer told other officers, shut off your body cameras. And then you have the police chief who Buttigieg appointed lying and saying it wasn't South Bend police on the tape. You would think if it wasn't South Bend police office on the tape, wouldn't if there were other agencies like Mishawaki, which is down the road from South Bend, or St. Joseph's County, which South Bend is part of St. Joseph's County, you would think that the South Bend Police Department would immediately want to put out that information and say, we're investigating who who was the officers on the tape. But to an activist that night, and I didn't read all of the text messages between the chief and the activist, but he's first he's trying to lie and say, well, there were other agencies there, so... You don't know that it was my officers. 
And then he can't keep up with his lies. So he moved from lying about who made the comments to then making it seem like, oh, you're, you're misunderstanding. It wasn't glorifying Klansmen. It was um, imitating. It was mocking the Klansmen. Does this man understand, a white man, that it, it, in no circumstance is it okay for public officials, especially white officials, who we pay for them, to play out scenes from movies of Klansmen during their march to kill and lynch black people? Do you think he's a little tone deaf or maybe has some, I don't know, institutional institutional racism himself to be telling a black activist via text message? Oh, I haven't seen the movie, but those who've researched said they were actually making fun of the KKK. So it's okay that my officers were doing that. In this new woke culture, in this new digital media culture, social media culture, where there's a lot more people informed. You start sliding in the polls. And you start losing money. Elizabeth Warren campaign is down 30% this quarter. Quarter is the last three months. So October, November, December. They're down 30% in donations compared to the last quarter where she raised $24 million. Senator Elizabeth Warren campaign told supporters in an email on Friday night, it has raised just over $17 million in the fourth quarter, a significant drop from her fundraising during the third quarter. If the $17 million total stands, that would represent a 30% drop from the previous quarter. So let's be clear on something. And I tweeted this the other day. Forget Elizabeth Warren for a second. Um, you kind of know how messed up our politics is and you kind of know how suffocating and toxic money in politics is when like raising $17 million is considered like weak sauce. It's pretty damn impressive when Elizabeth Warren or Bernie or anyone raises $17 million. I mean, I'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what the average donation number is, all that. But if she's telling the truth, she still raised $17 million, mostly on small dollar donations. I mean, she says she's not doing lavish fundraisers right now. We know she did it in her Senate reelection. She says she's not raising money, uh, you know, from billionaires and this and that. We'll see what the average dollar donation is. Uh, for the last quarter, it was $28. That's an average donation to Warren, which was a dollar more than Bernie's average donation in 2016 was. So it is impressive, whether you like Warren or not, $17 million is still a lot of money to raise. Still a lot of money. But the media, because they don't understand or care about how toxic money in politics is, is like, well, she's 30% down. It's still impressive. But why is she down 30%? from that 24 million. Why is she sliding to the point where in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, she's a pretty distant third place? Because as Donald Trump proved, even though he was completely full of shit, 
voters want to instinctually know. Voters will vote for people that they might not even agree with on policy completely. Voters will vote for people that they kind of find objectionable. A lot of Trump supporters do not like Donald Trump's antics. But voters have a problem in this day and age with people that they don't find authentic. Why has Joe Biden been able to prosper? Because the media has pushed this delusion that he's some authentic, you know, union man, working man, friend of the working man, Joe Biden. As I reported earlier, he's no such thing. But the media pushed it. And Elizabeth Warren tried to push this thing that she's some folksy, you know, blue collar woman from Oklahoma. So Warren's down 30% in donations. She's down in the polls. Why? I mean, it's not rocket science. The media has tried to like spin it that she's down because Medicare for all is so toxic. Warren, you know, we should have, she should have just been authentic from the beginning. She should have proposed because obviously healthcare is not her main issue. Obviously, it's not something she's that passionate about. Her passion is regulatory reform. Her passion is regulating the banks, regulating every industry. She thinks we're going to change everything out of tighter regulation. I think regulation is important. Um, I think regulation is uh, definitely necessary. But regulation without taking out money of taking out the money in politics will only get you so far. And by the way, there are regulatory bodies. There are regulatory bodies that are in place that don't regulate. I give you the financial crash in 2008 because of the suffocating effects of money in politics. The regulators aren't even allowed to regulate in a lot of cases. So Warren being down 30%, Warren being down 30% in fundraising is because even if people don't agree with you necessarily, they might still support you if they know you're being true, if they know you're authentic, if they believe you're going to have the courage of your convictions once elected. Elizabeth Warren's support is starting to slide because she has been sliding away from those positions. When healthcare, when healthcare is polling as the number one issue among many voters. And nobody, I have a plan for everything, but I'm changing my plan on healthcare as we go. People aren't going to trust you. People aren't going to trust you. Even if they like that you're educated, even if they like that, you know, you'd be the first woman president. People are suffering. People are rationing insulin. People are choosing not to go to the hospital when they need emergency care. They're not going to support you if they don't believe it is a core conviction. And whether people believe that Bernie Sanders is too far left or this and that, they know where he stands because he's not running just for power. That's the difference. He's not running just to become president. He's not running uh, because of ego. Sure, he's got some form of an ego, but he's running because he truly has seen and believes that the only way to fix the system is to radically overhaul it.
and I agree with him. And I think there's a lot of people that support Bernie Sanders, not only because of the policies, but because of the man, because of what they have seen him fight for. They know where he stands. So, Warren, I don't know. I mean, just as an objective support, uh, objective analyst, I don't know how she rebounds because... I don't really know what her core message is other than I have a plan. Well, you could have a plan for everything everything from sliced bread onward. But how are you going to get your plans through? Are you going to fight for the things you have a plan for? I don't I don't know. I don't think she did exceptionally well. In the last debate. Um, I think her attack on Pete Buttigieg over his wine caves would have landed a lot better if she herself hadn't done the same lavish fundraisers like five minutes before she filed her presidential campaign, which he smartly called her out on. If Bernie Sanders went after Pete Buttigieg for the wine cave, he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to. Turn, turn it around saying, well, you know, you can't pass your own purity tests. So, this is not a surprise, folks. This is not a surprise. Do I think she has no chance at all to rebound? No. Right now, if, if it were today, the Iowa caucus, to me, I think you're looking at a, a coin toss between Judge and Bernie. Uh, New Hampshire, I think Warren is more of a chance in. But to me, I think it's a race between Warren and uh, Warren, Buttigieg, excuse me, Biden, Buttigieg, and Bernie. I'm not telling Warren to drop out, but I think Warren's best bet, honestly, if she doesn't do as well as she expects to do in Iowa, and she doesn't do as well as she expects to do in New Hampshire, I think her best bet is to drop out after New Hampshire if she underperforms in Iowa and New Hampshire. If she doesn't win in Iowa and New Hampshire, if she underperforms, meaning comes in third or fourth place in either, I think her best bet is to drop out and endorse Bernie Sanders. At least give yourself a chance to be nominated as vice president for Bernie, which I know a lot of Bernie people would not accept. This is getting no coverage. Uh, I, I, you know, some people disagree, but I agree uh, with the Trump impeachment, I think he should be impeached uh, for many things, but I, I do think he tried to bribe a foreign leader. But because the impeachment is 24-7 and the media covers nothing else, you know, his administration just quietly shut down pollution tracking. No big deal. Federal database tracking pollution in the United States was retired earlier this month, drawing criticism from, from environmental advocates. ToxMap, an interactive map hosted by the National Library of Medicine and accessible to the public, allowed users to track pollution-producing factories and other environmental concerns, such as Superfund cleanup sites. However, on December 16th, all links to the application of the NLM website were depreciated. Following announcement uh, from 
from the agency in September notifying users that the site would be retired. On December 16, 2019, the National Library of Medicine, ToxNet, website will be retired, read the NLM statement. Most content will remain available through other NLM databases as well as from external websites. Several resources in ToxNet came from other organizations, such as the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and will continue to be available from those sources. Some databases will be retired. Claudia Persico, an assistant professor at American University specializing in public administration and environmental policy, told Popular Science that the site's dip, dip, I don't even know that word, dip, depreciation was a blow to researchers. Quote, I think it's really sad that they're getting rid of this. It was stunning to me that the National Library of Medicine is actually retiring this pretty essential tool for, envi- for our environmental right to know. So, we're getting rid of pollution tracking databases. Oh, but, you know, don't worry about it. You could go find the information elsewhere. Uh, we're, you know, tripling fracking we're repealing uh, clean water standards, even though they were not enough uh, that Obama put in. Uh, obviously, we withdrew from the Paris Accord climate change treaty. Not enough. Didn't go far enough, but was better than nothing. Uh, we're drilling in the Arctic. We're trying to privatize uh, Native American reservations so we could drill. We're uh, seizing public lands so we could drill. Forget that, you know, corruption in smoke-filled rooms in the back. He don't care. Trump is going to... The whole world is going to be up in smokes. And that's why, to me, uh, I, I find some people are just losing it. Saying like, oh, you know, uh, Warren is terrible, so whatever. If she becomes the nominee, I'll vote for Trump. Or I won't vote at all. There's not going to be a planet if Trump gets another four years. Are you not getting this? I know that there's like climate change truthers out there who don't believe in this. There, You could be progressively pure till your heart desires, but there's nothing to be pure about if the planet doesn't exist. This is not alarmism. This is reality. California has been on fire. The um, Everglades has been burning in Florida. It's it's like fifty. It was fifty degrees the other day here in New York. In New York. In during the winter. The Midwest. Many parts of the Midwest are still underwater because of extreme storms from earlier this year that they don't normally have more and more invest more and more investors on wall street are investing in water because of the shortages all over the world the next war will be over water and people want to sit here and be like well if i'm not getting bernie i'm just going to sit it out i think you're not realizing this is not normal circumstances i'm for bernie okay and i'm not going to tell you who to vote for you vote for whoever you want But this is not a matter of like lesser of two evils voting or whatever. This is a matter of uh, the planet surviving. You literally, like, essentially, 
you have people saying the equivalent of if their child was in the home burning, the house was burning, their child was in there, the parents standing outside saying, well, I told them to turn the stove off. Too bad for them. And I see it everywhere I go around the country. I see the effects of what Trump is doing. Whether that is not normal in most places, and it's not just Trump. Obviously, climate change is broader than just America. But fish are disappearing. Other sea life is disappearing. I'm not saying like, you know, close your eyes and if somebody other than Bernie becomes president, don't fight. Don't lead the charge against them. I would fight Warren just as hard as I fight anyone else. But you have a unique threat to planetary survival right now on top of the racism and the corruption and all that. I don't cover Trump that much because, as I always say, I, I, don't, I don't have much to add that's not being covered to death everywhere else. I like to cover things that aren't being covered. But when you're talking about the sur- uh, keeping a habitable planet, I just don't understand the mindset of people who, frankly, to me, are extremists saying, like, it, let it burn. I'd rather Trump for another four years than, like, anybody but Bernie. That's ludicrous. There will be no prog- progressive movement if there is no planet. There will be no workers' movement if there's no planet. There will be no Medicare for All movement. No climate movement. No anything movement. If you allow someone who doesn't understand the difference between weather and climate and doesn't care to understand. If you allow him to get another four years. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Donald Trump has repeatedly joked about extending his term beyond two terms. You think if he gets reelected with a Republican Supreme Court, with a Senate that's Republican, that's sycophants for him, he wouldn't try to extend his term, change the Constitution, whatever he has to do. So I, I'm, not for, I'm not for Warren, but there's bigger things than, you know, putting in a, a, a milk toast liberal. World's richest 500 people saw their wealth jump 25% this year. Yeah. Just put Joe Biden there. That'll change things. In 2019, the world's richest 500 people saw their collective net worth jump by 25% or $1.2 trillion, according to Bloomberg's Billionaires Index. Combined, the collective net worth of the world's 500 wealthiest individuals totaled $5.9 trillion. American billionaires alone added $500 billion to their wealth, with Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg gaining $27.3 billion, and Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates adding $22.7 billion. According to Bloomberg, just 52% of people, 52 people on the list, saw their fortunes decline in 2019. 
One of those billionaires, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, whose worth dropped by $9 billion, though Bloomberg notes the decline is largely due to his divorce settlement. Oh, poor Jeff. And Bezos still ends 2019 as the world's richest person. The new report comes as wealth disparity remains a hot topic in the election and a growing source of frustration. A report earlier this year found that income inequality in the United States is at its highest point since data started being collected 50 years ago. Another report from this year found that the poorest Americans saw their income decline 7% over the last 15 years, while everybody else is gaining financially. Progressive lawmakers have recently called for tougher tax policies for the ultra-rich, including uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez calling for people to tax the rich, blah, 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 blah. 500 people saw their jump, saw their wealth jump 25%. Wow. What was it? The poor saw their wealth go down 7% over the last 15 years. And you wonder why Donald Trump was elected in the first place. It's astounding that this bank robbery, and I'll show it to you one more time, that this grand larceny of our money, our future, our productivity goes on with the majority voting to allow it to continue to go on. That's what you're voting for if you vote for Joe Biden. That's what you're voting for if you vote for Pete Buttigieg. That's what you're voting for if you vote for Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Elizabeth Warren to to a lesser degree, a far lesser degree. You're voting for essentially the corporate inmates running the asylum. But to me, everything we've covered today is connected to this story. How is Mark Zuckerberg, who is presiding over Facebook as it steals your data and sells it to advertisers, presiding over Facebook, which just allows people to post whatever the hell they want, facts facts be damned, false information, go all over the place on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg, well, nothing we could do. We're a, we're a platform, not a publisher. Mark Zuckerberg sells, sells uh, data to Cambridge Analytica which helps political candidates like Trump. And he goes up. $27 billion. Jeff Zuckerberg, excuse me, Jeff Bezos, who Amazon is literally presiding. Literally. Demolishing small business in America. Is the Worst monopoly probably since the 1920s or 30s we've had in this country. He's still rolling in it. Oh, he lost $9 billion to his wife, ex-wife. Pennies. That's why I think that people need to realize Bernie is a once-in-a-generation type of candidate. Yes, there are now more disciples because of what Bernie has started, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like Rokana, 
other progressives on the state and local level. But there's only one Bernie. And he's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to change that, to take the government back. And it's not like he's going to be able to snap his fingers as president and do away with this bribery, with this theft of our money. It's going to take way more than Bernie Sanders. But at least you would have the right person leading the war. But when you have a system that allows people like Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, and all these people to steal the wealth, that they are not creating the wealth. The workers are creating the wealth. And to steal this wealth while people are rationing insulin, while people 500,000 people are sleeping in the streets, while people are working two, three jobs, while people are not going to the hospital because they can't afford it, even if they have an emergency, even with insurance, by the way. While Native Americans and black people and brown people are literally getting cancers at crazy, crazy levels because their communities are where we're dumping all of these toxic factories, all of the waste, all of the mining, all of the fracking. We're, we're putting pipelines through reservations and black communities and poor white communities so that these rich people, because the other people on the list, I promise you, there's some oil people. This is why you got to vote. You got to organize. You got to do all those things. And they're going to they're trying to fight. They're trying to rig it. They're trying to screw Bernie out of it. It's happening behind the scenes as we as we speak. And I reported suddenly people in California, voters in California are showing up. No, they, they registered to vote as a Democrat, but now they're showing up that they're not registered. I'm sure it's happening in New York as we speak. The same purges that coincidentally happened in all these critical states for Bernie starting to happen now. From what I hear, his campaign is way more prepared for it this time and has way more legal resources this time. 